he still put together the ark. And once he completed the ark, and God instructed him and his family to go in the ark, God shut the door. And then it began to rain. And you know, when the rain started getting ankle deep, I would say that a lot of people started getting closer to the ark. Come on. When the rain started getting knee deep, I would say more people started getting closer to the ark and probably started looking for something to hang on to. But there was nothing hanging on outside that they could grasp hold of. You see, when you're not in, you're out. And when you're out of the Word of God, when you're out of His protection, you're not in. Are you in a relationship with God today? Because one day... There's going to be a trumpet sound. There will be a shout. And all of that's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. And it's going to depend on then the word in. Were you in a relationship with God? If you're in a relationship with God, there's nothing to worry about. You can go to bed each night. And wake up each morning saying, God, let it be today. I'm ready because I'm in a relationship with the Lord. You know, if you don't have that relationship with Him, you can remedy that today. All it takes is calling on the name of Jesus. Jesus Jesus, Jesus. Would you get your tithe and offering ready? The needs of this church are great right now with utility bills being high. Uh, the gas people, the propane people are wanting to charge the church double than what the regular home fee is. Um, some other bills of the church. So would you get your checkbooks out, please? And would you give generously? And on the internet, PayPal, would you access PayPal? And would you please prayerfully give generously to meet the needs of this church? I have given time, and I turned around to my mother-in-law. I checked my wallet. My wallet was dry as the desert. And I turned to her and I said, I need some money. Can I borrow some money? I said, I'll pay you back uh, when I, next time I see you. And so she gave me some money. I paid my tithes, but I want to give more. I want to give more. I want to do without things this week. I like coffee. I want to do without coffee. I want to do without because I know this church is in need. Would you make that sacrifice today? Would you give generously, please? Let's pray. Would you hold your offering up? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray over the needs of this church, God. I pray that you would bless the finances, Lord, and I pray that you cover everything.
waiting to be paid, and that's to be paid. God, bless this church. Bless these finances, Lord. Bless us, God. Bless us, dear Lord, that this money would stretch out, Lord, like the fish and the loaves with the 5,000 people. Stretch this out, God, and bless us in your name. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you.
gave you anything else again, would you still praise him? I said, if the Lord never gave you anything else ever again, if he never uh, blessed your finances again, would you still praise him? Why? Because he's God. Because of simply who he is. That's why I worship him. If he never gave me anything else, that's why I would worship him. Because he's God. Because you, you know what? The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. That means when we praise, when we sacrifice how we feel, what's going on in our life, and we lift up our hands and we say, God, I love you. He comes and he stands right beside you. He inhabits the praises of his people. When we say, I don't care what my neighbor thinks about me, I'm going to praise God anyway. Come on. He inhabits the praises of his people. And in his presence, there is freedom. There is deliverance. There's peace. The Bible says that he is our comfort. Amen.
preach today, nor did Megan, but God knew all about it. Amen. In but not out. Amen. <laughs> you know, you know, last week my mind went back to a time whenever that we didn't have had much money, but we wanted a boat. And uh, and I and I was young and I and I was naive and and I really didn't know what to look for in a boat. But but I bought this boat and we were so happy. We had a little battery and a little a little um, motor motor that went on the back of it, that a little trolling motor that was battery operated. And we, and we got out there, but it didn't take us long to find out that the boat we started calling it the Titanic because they ended up being more water on the inside of the boat than they were out. It was, it was springing leaks, it was seeping, and Renee was going, where, where is all this water coming from, Andre? And I was saying, I don't have the foggiest idea. We would have to take a bucket, and we would have to dip out the water. And, uh, and, and finally, our trolling motor went, went down, and, and, and they were this biker-looking guy, probably the roughest guy that I ever looked at. He said, son, do you need help? And I was going, no, we don't need help. But of course, Renee was saying, yes, we do. Yes, we do. But I'm telling you, uh, to, uh, today it's so important that you keep your boat from having water in it. The Bible, the Bible says that we're to live in the world, but not to be of the world. And you know, it isn't, it isn't getting in the water that drowns a person. It's whenever that the water gets inside of you that the trouble comes. So, so, so we understand as Christians today that we need to live or dwell in the world but we're not of it. Amen. Let's go to John's Gospel, uh, chapter 17, starting with verse 9. We'll, we will find that Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying to his Father God. And, and Jesus prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for all believers. But in our text today, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He starts it out. He says, I pray for them. I pray for my disciples. I do not pray for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. No, I am no longer in the world, but these, talking about the disciples, these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those who you have given me that they may be one as we are. Notice verse 12. While I was in, in while that I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom I gave you, those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost or destroyed except the son of perdition. Some versions say the son of destruction that the scriptures might be fulfilled. I want, I want to stop right here and pause just a minute to say that Jesus was saying, as long as I was with my disciples, 
I guarded them. I protected them in the pursuit of life that, that God had given him to do. He, he even went a little further and he was saying that he even posted on the night watch and, and, and none of them got away except for the rebel that was bent on destruction and we all know who that the rebel was among his disciples. It was Judas. Judas, Judas was the one uh, that took the silver to betray him. Judas was the one uh, that fell off the apple cart, if you will. But the betrayal, look at verse 13. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have, joy, have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. In the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. I can remember one summer we decided that we would get this swimming pool and, and we bought this blow up raft for the kids to paddle around and, and use in the swimming pool. And the first couple of weeks, this raft, it, it worked great. They paddled around and we pulled them and we had a good time. But the raft, the raft after a while developed a, sm a small hole in it and, and, and the little bit of water that, that it allowed in at first really didn't cause any trouble. We could just kind of spoon it out kind of like the Titanic boat. But larger holes developed requiring us to constantly scoop the water out just to keep the, the, uh, the, uh, the raft afloat. Eventually, we, we threw out the raft and threw out the boat because it no longer served its purpose. It was designed to float. It was designed to have water all the way around it. It wasn't designed to sink, but it was designed to float. It was supposed to be in the water, but the water was not supposed to be in the boat. You probably heard it a thousand times that us as Christians that we are to be that we are to be in the world but not of it. I'm telling you today, it's a lot like the boat being in the water. The, the boat was designed to float on the on the top of the water, to, to rise above the water. The, the water was surrounding it on all sides, but there should never be any water in the boat. If you've got water in your boat, that's a sign of a problem. It needs to be Hatched. It needs to be reworked. You need, you need to get that water out of there as soon as you can. Don't you know that that's the way that our lives should be today? That we should be in the world, but not of the world. 
They had a meeting at a, at a church in, in Seattle, Washington, and one member of the group reportedly said that if the church is to make a bigger impact on their generation, that it, it must become more worldly-minded. But you know, the more that we read the New Testament, that's, that's clear that, uh, that we're not to be entangled in this world. That we're, not to be, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We should never be entangled in the world. You know, so, so what is the world? Well, there's three meanings attached to the word world. First, the Bible says that uh, the, uh, there is a created world. It, it says that God made the world and everything in it. And whenever that you read Genesis, most of the time he will create something and he will say, I looked at it and it was good. I looked at it, I created it. And it was good. So, so there's a created world. But second, there's inhabitants of the world who, who that God loves and whom, whom Christ died for. The Bible says, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And thirdly, there's the cosmos, or there's the, the world system, which is which is led by Satan and then headed by Satan himself. It's full, it's a life full of greed and, and a life full of, of self and, and pride. This is a world that God warns us about. And it's the world system and philosophy that Christians are to shun and remain separate and free from. I'm afraid today that we try to intertwine it and we get our hope in this and we get our hope in the system and we get our hope and, and we forget to look to God. The other day I was talking to somebody and everything was crumbling that could crumble all the way around them and I said, you've got to stop yourself and you've got to get your eyes upon God somewhere down the line. You've got your eyes on the, on the government system and the world system and the cosmos of everything. But the Bible instructs us that we will either worship the God of, of, this, of this earth, the spirit of this earth, cosmos of this earth, or we will serve, we will serve a God, hallelujah, and have our eyes that's lifted beyond all of these worldly, earthly things and trials, praise the Lord. Romans 12 and 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Galatians 1 and 4 reads like this, Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Present evil age, what was he talking about? He was talking about this cosmos or this spirit of the earth. In other words, the world was such such a great danger to our soul that, uh, that this danger caused Christ the, uh, the Son of the living God to go to the cross to deliver us from this earth, from it, from this spirit of the cosmos. We find throughout the Bible that there's a that there's a line drawn that there's that there's a separation in between the world of unbelievers and the world of the children of God. 
James 4 and 4 reads like this. It says, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Jesus himself said in John 17, 14 and 16 that we just read that the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as Jesus was not of the world. He continues on and he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but I pray that you should keep them from the evil one, this cosmos, this, this spirit of the world. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Jesus said again in John 15 and 18, if the world hates you, you know that the world hated me before it hated you. This leads me to think that if, that if I resist this spirit in, in this world, this, this cosmos spirit, that there's going to be people that they're going to hate me for no reason at all. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's amazing to me that if I disagree with anybody and if they find out that I'm a preacher, they really don't attack my view. They don't, they don't attack what that I'm saying or, or, or address what that I'm saying. It is always a verbal attack on who I am and my ministry. That earthly spirit of the cosmos isn't going to like it whenever that you're a dedicated, sold out, child of God. Jesus realized that these disciples... Whenever that they followed him and sold out to him, that not everybody's going to like them. They're not going to be popular with the crowd. They're not going to be accepted by the crowd. There's going to be times that they have to stand up. They have to stand on the word of God. And, and they have to be in the world, but not of the world. I'm afraid many times we... We want to be accepted. The, the younger folks, folks want to be accepted and the older folks want to be accepted and we want everybody to like us and, and we want everything to be hunky-dory and we don't want to stir up a whole lot. But I'm telling you right now, sometimes whenever you stand up on the Word of God and you speak truth and you speak the Word of God, there was somebody that said it like this. If you want everybody to like you and be happy with you, you don't need to be a preacher. You need to sell ice cream or, or sell snow cones or do something different because sometimes, sometimes whenever you stand up on the word of God, hallelujah, and you confess your faith and you make sure that that water don't penetrate your boat, everybody around you, they ain't going to like you and the reason that they ain't going to like you is because God's mark upon your life, that's what the Jesus was, uh, 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 was praying to God and he was saying, Help my disciples. Protect my disciples. Help them to realize that they're in the world. But help them to always live separate away from the world. You know, you used to hear holiness and sanctification and a lot of stuff like that back then. But not so much anymore. Because many people allow the water to get into the boat. And they try to straddle the fence. They let 
the world ease in a little bit at a time. That's what's happening to our government. They're pushing homosexuality. They're uh, they're uh, they're pushing this and they're pushing 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 that agenda and and this agenda. They're trying to spoon a little bit more water in our boat. That's how come that we're to be in the world, but not of it. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, Amen. 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 I don't have to run through all the all the political stuff that's going on in New York City and, and, and everything else before before you realize that that it's such an important time to be in the world, but not of the world. But, but we're going to face opposition, church. There's going to be times whenever that whenever that you're going to have to stand for God and speak the truth, no matter who that likes it. Jesus said himself in John 17 that the world hated them because they're not of the world. The Bible teaches that that, uh, that we're not to be discouraged, that, uh, that, uh, that we're to realize that we're going to face opposition. Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, just as Christ's life with, with, with its love and concern and selflessness was a rebuke to this cosmos of time, so our lives with Christ abiding on the inside of us today. It's going to bring criticism and opposition and it's going to bring persecution from those that cannot comprehend the mystery of God's redemptive grace. They look at the cross and they laugh. They look at the Christian life that we live and they laugh. The Bible says no matter, you're to live in the world, but, but not be of the world. See, the Bible teaches that we're not to be discouraged as we look around that other the word to consider. It evidence that we are identified with Christ because we have suffered persecution, that somebody's talked about us, that somebody's done us wrong, uh, uh, that somebody's cold-shouldered us, that we are to count it all joy. There's nothing that confuses the devil any more than something bad happened to you or somebody saying something bad to you and you're going on and smiling and saying, guess what? God is still on the throne and I'm serving him and, and I am in the world, but, I, but, the, but I'm not of the world. Matthew 5 and 11, it said, Blessed are you whenever that they revile and whenever that they persecute you and they say all evil things against you falsely for my sake. This don't tell us to cry or get discouraged or get down or, or post, post a nasty note in our diary so we can remember it 20 years later. Though the Bible says whenever that they persecute you and whenever that they do you wrong, 
on. Praise the Lord that you count it all joy knowing that they've done Jesus and knowing that they've done the apostles the very same way. I'm telling you, we're living in a day that we had better stand up and understand that, that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We have our eyes set on a heavenly destination where no sickness or no pain or no discouragement is ever going to be there. It's beyond this world. We're to live in the world, but we're certainly not of the world. Somebody say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Go ahead and shout. I believe sometimes we we feel like that if we would just let a little bit more water in our boat that we could live a little bit more comfortable life. I lived a pretty sheltered life growing up whenever I was a kid. Thought everybody was like mom and dad. Thought everybody went to church being a PK and the son of a preacher. I thought that that, that was like the world. Ever, I, I thought that everybody else was, was like they are. But it didn't take me long after I grew up to understand that they were in the world, but they certainly wasn't of the world because whenever I got out and experienced the world, they wasn't nothing like mom and dad because mom and dad was living holy and pure and they would pray and they would go to church and their values and, and convictions and everything was different than the world. I'm telling somebody today, it's time again to, uh, to, uh, to do the mark to do the mark, to do the, uh, the line in the sand and, and to keep the world and the things of the world to realize that, that yes, we're living in a sin-cursed world, but praise the Lord, we're not of it today. Amen. If you don't hear anything else that I'm saying, hear that today. Come on. In this complex generation, <clears throat> in which we live, it, it's not easy for the Christian to distinguish between that which is spiritual and that which is worldly. The Bible says that Satan is called an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11 and 4. The Bible tells us that he's a great imitator. Have you ever met somebody and they seem so sweet and so kind? And then the more you got to know them, they hated everybody. They hated their dog. They hated their life. <laughs> Finances were terrible. Their, their job was terrible. They didn't have to. They were an imitator. They seemed so happy. They seemed like a church lady or a church man at first. But the more that you got to know them, the more that you understand that they had allowed bitterness, they had allowed envy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm about to get mean, Pastor Sean. They had allowed self-desire, self-want, feelings. Well, they hurt my feelings. They, you all tied up. 
Praise the Lord. That's the hardest thing to do whenever that you got somebody belittling you or talking about you whenever that you realize that you don't have to let it penetrate you. You don't have to let it upset you. It's a decision that you got to make. But the Bible says that, that, that Satan, that this spirit would, would be like an angel of light. That people would actually look at it and think it's good. Matthew 24 and 24, it says, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the very elect. Some versions say, even those that are versed in the word. See, the cosmos, it, it has its own entertainment and own, and own diversions that, that permeate the atmosphere and, and makes its, and, and make the cross seem so irrelevant today. They have their own ideals and their own desires. But they're not like we are because we're not of the world. They have their own political agendas. They have their own ideals and they have their own lack of conviction. But they're not like we are. Christ said in John 10 and 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, the Bible teaches that the worldliness, that it's a force, it's a spirit, it's, it's, a, it's an atmosphere of the cosmos, and it's in opposition to our Christian life today. You might say, Pastor, I didn't understand that there were a battle going on. Well, you better wake up because we're dead set in the middle of a battle, and it's for our sons and our daughters' soul. Hallelujah. The spirit of the cosmos, it... it it attracts. It draws in. Man, it reminds me of, of whenever me and Daddy used to fish up at the dam in Lenore City, Fort Loudon Dam. We would go up there and we would tie down to the turbines right up there in the swift water. But we learned really quick that, uh, that we could drive in and we could cut off our motor and we could float back. But don't you know that they were an undercurrent, that they were a drawing whenever that we would get so close up in there. We knew exactly how far to go before the current would pull us toward the turbines. I know it's dangerous and, and, and they say don't do it at all today. But we knew exactly how far to go before that the undercurrent and the tur and, 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 and the turbines would uh, would pull us up there. I'm telling you today, you there's a point of no return where that the cosmos tries to tries to pull you. The spirit of the world will try to entangle you. But God said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The spirit of the cosmos will tell you that you're missing things that you need to experience. 
that there's something that you have not done yet. That you feel so unfulfilled. That you, that you feel so empty. That there's just something out there in the world that you've got to have. I'm telling you today that it's an entanglement. God creates freedom. He creates the perfect life for you. Abundant life. Paul wrote to the Ephesians about the sins. He said, in which you once walked according to the chorus of the course of this world, according to the prince and the powers of the air and the, and the spirit of who now works in the sons of disobedience. Even whenever we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Of course, the, the course of this world carry the meaning of, of, a, of, of the current flow. And I'm telling you today that there's an undertow, that there's a current, that, that it's contrary to the world, word of God. Ephesians 6 and 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the high heavenly places. However, I'm telling you that the Christian is not left defenseless. A, a, a defenseless in, in, the, in this conflict because Romans 8 and 37 says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So you might be saying Pastor Andre with the spirit of the cosmos and, and, and all of this drawing and, and, and living in the world but trying to be separate. How do we win? I'm telling you there's only one way that we can overcome there's only one way that we can stand in victory. There's only one way that we can stand in power and dominion. And that is through the blood of the Lamb. I'm telling you, we will never overcome by, by human effort. We will never overcome by deeds of righteousness or, 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 try, or trying to accomplish it within ourselves. We will never overcome by some kind of social concern or are identifying ourselves with various social revolutions because the Bible says in Revelations 12 and 11, they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It is only through his blood. <laughs> See, we're we're involved in a spiritual conflict. It's a, it's a battle between the forces of God and the forces of Satan. But the thing of it is, is we're asked to choose sides. You've got to choose which side you're on. You've got to decide whether you're going to follow the, the spirits of this world are the spirits of a living God. You've got to, you've got to draw the mark. You, you've got to decide whether, whether you're in or whether you're out. You can't be up and down and partially in and partially out. But we're forced to take sides. We've got to make up our mind. 
Do you, do you know what happens whenever that you're at an intersection and you can't decide whether to turn right or turn left? I'm telling you right now, child of God, if you don't turn right or if you don't turn, turn left, you're going to have a deadly crash if you don't make up your mind. Because there comes a time whenever you, you can either go, go, go the right way or go the wrong way. And, and, and you're forced to make up your mind. See, the Bible warns us about, about being taken in by the evil and the cosmos. It, it, it tells us that Satan's lies, that it's cleverly mixed with the truth. But we're told to come out just like 2 Corinthians 6 and 17. It says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will receive you. That's what that we want is we want the Lord. We want to be acceptable by the Lord. You give me some Lennon music, Josh, if you will. Jesus ate with the politicians and, and the sinners in Mark 2 and 16. Almost everybody that was associated, they, they were an outcast. But you know, his relationship with them wasn't just purely social, but it was redemptive. I'm telling you, no matter what you do today, you be salt and light to a dying world. You be in the world, but not of it. Billy Graham said it like this. He said, Christians are like the Gulf Stream, which is in the ocean and yet not part of it. This mysterious current, it defies the mighty Atlantic. It endures its ties. It flows steadily upon its course. Its color is different, even being a, a different color blue, a deeper color blue. Its temperature is different, being warmer. Its direction is different, being from south to north. It is the ocean, and yet it is not part of it. He goes on and he says, so, so we as Christians are in the world. We come in contact with the world, and yet we retain our distinctive kingdom characters and refuse to let the world press us into its mode. The world is keenly aware of, of its emptiness, of its unfulfilled dreams, of its failure to cope with life. The world system is inadequate to meet the deeper needs of the human heart. This is the ideal soil for implanting in the gospel. God has seen fit to entrust the work of his kingdom to us. If the world system is changed, it will be through our witness. I want to close, but with Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. Everybody say, I am. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. 
Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Telling you today that we, should, we are to obey the laws of the land. We are in the world. We are to love those who that who that whom Christ died, we are to pray for them, witness to them, help them, and, and do worldwide projects, whatever that we can do. But today, you know, we as Christians, we need to achieve the most difficult task at all, and that's not to conform to the world, but be transformed through the renewing of our minds. See, this is a Christian stand, and it's our job to be in the world, but not of the world. Somebody say amen. amen. Last week, I, I preached on having quiet time with God. Did anybody have any quiet time with God to where that they just said, God, this is, this is your time. I'm, I'm going to allow you to speak to me. And to move me, amen, get in the spirit and in the word and allow the Lord to empower you. You know, we're, we're living in a different day. The struggles of life are different. The kids are different. They, they, they think different. The teens are different. It seems like that everything's changing around us. But I'm telling you, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground. Is sinking sand. Amen. Whenever we realize that our destiny is, 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 is more than just living and breathing on this earth, we will lift our eyes a little higher to our maker to understand that he has a purpose that's way beyond this life and this world. Somebody say amen because we will realize that we're in the world, but we're aliens here. This world is not our home. We're only passing through. I'm about to gear myself up in this house today. I'm telling you, uh, it ain't going to be long until I'm walking on streets of gold and gates of pearl and, and, and walls of jasper. And me and granddaddy, we're going to have conversation like we used to. Me and grandmother that's been gone a, a long time. Hallelujah. We're going to be celebrating and, and, and eating around that heavenly table in just a little while. But we've got to realize that, uh, that we're here only for a while. But this world is not our home. This world is not our home. We're only passing through. We just stand with me today.